0: Name, I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, well, we're there in Joshua and. Uh... This is a, a very famous story in the book of Joshua. And I don't I don't want to be very long tonight, I really don't. We've got uh, some fellowship stuff, and I want us to have some fellowship. A lot of work goes into Easter Sunday, you know. So we're tired, the choir did a good job. I just want to point out a few things for you out of this passage tonight. If you look at verse number 1, the Bible says, And it came to pass when all the kings which were on the side of Jordan, in the hills and in the valleys and in the coast of the great sea over against Lebanon, the Hittites and the Amorites, the Canaanites and the Perizzites, the Hibbites and the Jebusites. "...heard thereof, that they gathered themselves together to fight with Joshua and with uh, Israel with one accord." And when the inhabitants of Gibeon, alright, now, make note of that uh, inhabitants of Gibeon. Gibeon's the people we're going to be dealing with tonight. And if you remember, the book of Joshua deals with the fact that the children of Israel came into the promised land, and as they're dealing with the promised land, and as they're conquering, uh, you know, city after city, Jericho, Ai, and all those different cities, and if you remember, the conquest of this promised land is a picture of the Christian life. And the promised land truly represents your heart. And it represents the life of a Christian as he battles one fight after another. And we're trying to be victorious in the Christian life. And there may be sins in our life. There may be habits in our life. There may be things that we've got to issue. Maybe character flaws. And as we battle those and take care of those, we will be more victorious and and more uh, able to serve God. And here there was these people, the inhabitants of Gibeon. Now Gibeon was a land that God had told the children of Israel to go in and just like Jericho and the rest of the people, they were to destroy them, they were to conquer them, they were to take them out of the land and they were supposed to did land. Now in verse 3 the Bible says, and when the inhabitants of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done unto Jericho and to Ai, so they heard of all the different things that uh, Jericho is doing and all those different things, uh, look at verse 4, the Bible says, they did work wilily. Do you see that word, Wilily that word means uh, trickery it means guile it means to ensnare or deceit the Bible says they worked wilily. it's telling us they worked in trickery they worked in mischievousness they worked in deceiving you say what did they do? Look, keep reading Bible says and they did work willily and went and made as if, do you see that? So they're pretending they had been ambassadors, and took old sacks upon their asses, and wine bottles, old and rent, and bound up. Verse 5, And the old shoes, and clouded upon their feet, and old garments upon them, and all the bread of their provision was dry and moldy. And they went to Joshua, unto the camp of Gilgal, and said unto him, and to the men of Israel, We be come from a far country. Now therefore, make ye a league with us. Do you see that? Now they're in Gilgal, And before they leave, I, I don't want you to miss it. Look at for verse 4 again. And they did work wildly and went and made as if they had been ambassadors. And took, notice, they took old sacks. Do you see that? They found old sacks and they said, we'll take those upon their asses. And wine bottles, old And rent. They found bottles that were old. They found bottles that were rent. They found bottles that, that, uh, look what it says, says, and bound up, verse 5, and old shoes, and clouded upon their feet, and old garments, so they found uh, uh, old clothing, and old shoes, and cut up on the feet and old garments upon them, and all the bread of their provision was dry and moldy. So they go, and they find bread that's already dry, bread that's already moldy, bread that's already, you know, turning green, and, and looking all weird, verse, verse 6, and they went to Joshua, unto the camp at Gilgal, and said unto him, now remember, they're pretending, as if, and they said unto him, and to the men of Israel, we become from a very, from a far country, now therefore, make a league with us, They're saying, you know, uh, let's make a a treaty here. Let's make a deal. They said, make a league, because we came from a far, far way. Look at verse 7. And the men of Israel said unto the Hivites, Peradventure ye dwell among us, and how shall we make a league with you? So the children of Israel said, "Well, well, we don't know that you came from a long ways. So what if you're one of our neighbors? We don't, they said, we, we haven't been here that long. We don't really know uh, this area as well. And they said, well, well, what if you're one of, we can make a league with you because God has commanded us to destroy all the inhabitants of this land. Look at verse 8. And when they said unto Joshua, we are thy servants. And Joshua said unto them, uh, who are ye and from whence come ye? That word whence means uh, from what place. So he's telling them, where are you coming from? What, what place are you coming from? And they said unto him, From a very far country thy servants are come, of the name of the Lord thy God, for we have heard the fame of him, and all that he did in Egypt. And all that he did to the two kings of the Amorites that were beyond Jordan, to Sihon king of Heshbon, and to Ag king of Bashan, which was at Ashtaroth. Wherefore our elders, they said, because we heard of your victories, we've heard of your battles, we've heard of the wars that you've been winning. They said, wherefore our elders and all the inhabitants of our country spake to us saying, take victuals. That word victuals is talking about, it it means their food supplies. And, And this is what they're telling Joshua. They said, our elders told us to take food supplies, victuals, with you for the journey. So they told us to take food supplies for the journey. And go to meet them, talking about Israel, and say unto them, "We are your servants; therefore, now make ye a league with us." Now look at where it's twelve. This our bread we took hot for our provision out of our houses on the day that we came forth to go unto you. Now is that true? Here's what they're saying. They're saying, "Look, we when we left to come to Israel, this bread came straight out of the oven. It was nice and warm." You guys like warm bread right out of? The oven. I love warm bread. I, you know, I like warm. Any, my wife bakes a lot, and I just any. And you know, uh, you guys get all these cookies that we had out and stuff. Everybody's like, how great the cookies are, and I think to myself, you don't you don't get them right out of the oven, <laughs> and you get them like when I deliver them to you. You know, and my wife, you know, she puts ten for you, and, and you will only deliver six. I don't know what happens to the other ones. they kind of disappear. <laughs> but these people, they said, they they said, you know, uh, we brought this bread. And it was warm out of the oven. On the day we came out. Look at verse 12. This our bread we took hot out for our provision. Uh, out of our houses on the day we came forth to go unto you. But now behold. He says it is dry and it is moldy. Now look. They, they brought moldy bread. So they looked like they had been traveling for a long time. They put on old raggedy clothes. So they looked like they would be traveling for a long time. They didn't come from a far away land. They lived right near them. Look at verse 13. And these bottles of wine which we filled were new, and behold, they'd be rent. These bottles were new, and now they're ripped up. And these, our garments and our shoes are become old by reason of the very long journey. Do you see that? They're just playing apart. They're saying, you know, we came from a long place. The Bible tells us, look at back at verse 4. They did work wily. I like that word wily. Trickery. Guile, to ensnare, deceit. To do you remember? Yeah, this might sound familiar to you. To, you say, you know, um, the word. You, do you remember uh, uh, this? Ah, good night. What's the guy's name that I'm trying to think of? Do you remember Wiley Coyote? <laughs> you remember know, uh-huh. that You thought that was his first name. No, he was a. Uh, this. you remember how he's always trying to tick, trick the roadrunner? That easy see, see, see some of you your thing yourself I knew that hours and hours of watching TV would pay off one day <laughs> to think my parents wanted me to go to college you know I'm glad I watched you know you watched Bloomington's there you go that's the, the one thing you got out of watching TV yes. wildly coyote you know wildly look at verse number uh, 22. When when Joshua finally found out about their trickery, look what he said. And Joshua called for them, and he spake unto them, saying, Wherefore, have ye beguiled us? You see that? The word beguiled means to deceive. It means to trick. It says, Wherefore, have ye beguiled us, saying we are very far from you when you dwell among us? Here's what you got to understand, okay? Here's the first lesson we learned from this story. The enemy wants to deceive you. The enemy wants to trick you. The enemy is going to lie to you and make you think and make you feel like something is true that it's not. Keep your finger there in Joshua 9. We're coming back to it. Look, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to preach short tonight, so you've got to stick with me. Good night. My Bible's falling apart. You know, you know I'm reading it if it's falling apart, right? Go, go, to, go to Ephesians, real quickly. Ephesians. Ephesians, chapter number 6. Ephesians. We've got to hurry up. Ephesians, chapter number 6. I've already lost some of you. Smelling that coffee. Ephesians chapter number 6 in the New Testament. Ephesians chapter number 6. Ephesians right before the, right after the book of Galatians, right uh, before the book of Philippians. Ephesians chapter number 6. Are you there? Ephesians chapter, six. Now, Ephesians chapter 6 is a famous story in regards to children there. Towards the end of the chapter, you go into a real famous passage about the armor of God. Remember the, the passage of the armor of God and all of that? But I want you to notice, look at verse 10. Ephesians 6 verse 10 Finally my brethren Be strong in the Lord And in the power of His might Put on the whole armor of God Now he's going to go through And explain to us The whole armor of God The helmet of salvation All those things But notice He says verse 11 Put on the whole armor of God Why? Why should you put on The whole armor of God? Notice That ye may be able To stand against wily coyote Do you see that? That you may be able to stand against the wiles, you see that? Of the devil. What's, what's, what's wiles? Deception. Trickery. Deceitfulness. See, the way the devil works, let me just explain to you. The way the devil works is he doesn't come to you when you are the strongest, he doesn't come to you. Hey, look, he, the devil's probably not going to try to attack you on February 1st after you've spent 31 days in January reading 9 chapters a day. You understand what I'm saying? When you spend 3 days fasting or 2 days fasting or 1 day fasting, He's probably gonna He's not gonna come and attack you when you're strong, but here's what He'll do. He'll come when you're strong, like Joshua. They just won the battle at Jericho and they just finally took care of that battle in Ai, and they went back and they're victorious. They are on top. They are winning. What the devil will do and what the enemy he'll deceive you, and he'll lie to you, and he'll trick you, and he'll make reality seem like it's not true, he'll say, we came from a far country, when they're next door neighbors. See, the Bible tells us to be careful and to stand against the wiles of the devil. Do you remember Adam and Eve? First time we saw Adam and Eve, uh, the devil in the Bible, what was the devil doing? Deceiving Eve. That's what the Bible tells us the book of Romans. It tells us that the woman was deceived. Okay? Adam was disobedient, but the woman, she just got tricked. That's what the devil does. The wiles of the devil. Now keep your finger there in Ephesians, because we're going to come back to Ephesians chapter 6. But let me show you some. Go to uh, go to Proverbs real quickly. Proverbs chapter number 20. I don't want to be very long tonight, okay? We're almost, we're like a third into the sermon, alright? Proverbs chapter number 20, that means nothing to you. But just stick with me. We're almost done. Proverbs, we're well, no we're not. I shouldn't like that. say, that's the wiles of the preacher right there. I'm, I'm deceiving you into thinking that we're almost done, so that you keep your focus. Proverbs chapter number 20, are you there? Look at verse 14. Let me show you something. Proverbs chapter number 20. Look at verse 14. Proverbs 20, verse 14. I wish you kids would listen to this? I wish you kids, you're not married yet, you haven't really messed up your life yet, I I wish you would listen up right now. uh, Proverbs chapter number 20, look at verse 14. It is not, it is not, say it to the buyer, but when he has gone his way, then he boasted. I love the book of Proverbs, don't you? The book of Proverbs is these little Proverbs, these little sayings that have a deep meaning to teach you some, uh, a spiritual impact. And in Proverbs, God uses one of the wisest men, King Solomon, to write this little proverb. And he says, look, let me teach you something. He says, he says one day, children, listen up. I, I, if you could get this, I, I think it would really help your life. One day, a buyer is going to come. And he's going to say, it is not, it is not. Do you know what the word not means? It means, it, is, it means it's nothing. It means there's no value to it. Okay, And he says, here's what happens. A buyer, someone who wants to purchase something, will walk into a store. You know, the the, the Israel, the Old Testament uh, Bible society was different than than our society here in America. And even if you go to Israel today or countries like Venezuela today, you you can go and do a lot of bargaining. You know, you got outside of the country. you, you You don't really go to Walmart and do some bargaining, you know. I don't know. I'll pay you $100 for that iPod. You know, that doesn't work like that at Walmart. But in in these cultures, there was a lot of bargaining that went by. And King Solomon is teaching, he's saying, look, a buyer's going to walk in and look at something he wants and say, it's not. It's not. They'll see something they want and they'll say, that's not worth what you think it's worth. That's not worth very much. Look what it says. It is not, it is not, saith the buyer. But when he has gone his way... After he's purchased, he goes, Here's what he does. He tricks or he deceives someone that has something of value. And the buyer says, That thing you've got for sale there, that, per- that value, he said, That's not worth anything. That, that, it's, a, it's no value there. And they'll deceive you into thinking you've got, so then you'll give it to them for free, or you'll give it to them for a real cheap price. But look what happens. But when he has gone his way, he boasted. You know what the word boast means? It means to brag. Why? Because he got a good deal. Why? Because he worked wily. Why? Because he deceived somebody into thinking that what they had had no value. And they gave it up because they thought there's no value to that. And let me tell you something. When they walk away, they think, I got that sucker. Let me tell you something. Kids... Someone's going someone's gonna, to, you, you young girls, I'm not trying to be vulgar. But some young man's going to come to you one day and try to put his hands on you. And you're going to say, well, I've never done that. I've never kissed a boy. And I've never, no, no, I've never. And they'll say, uh, your, your virginity, it's not. it's not. It's not a big deal. Everybody's doing it. There's no value in that. Let me tell you something. When he goes his way, you'll boast. Don't let somebody trick you into thinking that what you possess is not a value. Thinking, somebody going come and offer you something, offer you a drug, or offer you a beer, well, and, gonna, and you're gonna say, "I've never drank that. I've never done that." I go to church. I go to Mary Baptist Church. You gotta meet my preacher. <laughs> <laughs> if he was here. He'd be throwing a fit. <laughs> and I, I always so girls this. And if it gets you in trouble, I'm sorry. But I always saw girls this. You girls, you go to school. Some boy tries to put his hands on him. You have the pastor's permission to knock that boy out. Alright? And if your principal doesn't like, you give him a Verity Baptist Church invitation. I'm the, you, my pastor said I was allowed. on <laughs> the authority of the Holy Ghost. You tell him, alright? Because I'm here to tell you that the devil is going to trick you. The devil's going to come to some of you. Your marriage is struggling. Maybe you just got in a big fight. And He's gonna say, "This marriage isn't worth fighting for." It's not. It's not. Let me tell you something. The devil is a wily fellow. He's a deceiver. He's the accuser of the brethren. The devil, the devil will put on his foot, make you trip, and then point at you and say, "Look, you fell." It's like you helped me fall. That's what he does. The enemy's trying to trick you, my friend. There's something of value you've got. There's something of value that God has given you, and He'll come along and He'll say, "It's not a big deal. It's not." I mean, He's lying to you. He's deceiving you. But we don't live. We don't live near you, Joshua. Make a league with us. We're not here. You live right down the street. But they make reality look like something it's not. Go back to Joshua chapter nine. Number one, we saw that the enemy is a deceiver. But number two, I'd like you to see look at verse fourteen. And the men took up their victuals, food supplies. They took their evidence, right? Because what was their evidence? They said, We came from a far country. Look at our bread, it's old. Look at our wine bottles, they're rent. Look at our clothes, they're old. We've been traveling for a long time. So the men took up their victuals or took up their food, they looked at their food supplies, they looked at their at their evidence. Notice Peace this. look at verse 14. And asked not counsel. At the mouth of the Lord. you see that? See, all Joshua had to do is say, Excuse me one minute. I'm just going to go pray about this. All you have to do is say, One, one second. Before we sign this league, and Before we sign this contract, Before we get down and, and make, Let me just take a moment, And let me just find out what God thinks about this. That's all you have to do. And God would have said, uh, They live right there. <laughs> They're lying. But their mistake was this. They asked not Counsel at the mouth of God. Do you know why most Christians get in trouble? Because we don't ask for counsel at the mouth of God. We make decisions, and we'll we'll make huge decisions. We'll make purchasing decisions. We'll move to places, and we'll do things, and, 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 and never once do we ask, what does God think about that? What's God's opinion about that? That, does God want me to do that? Does God want me to go down that? You know, the, What is God's will? I, I, did you keep your finger there in Ephesians 6? Look, look at, look, go back to Ephesians 6. Look at verse 11. I don't want you to see. Ephesians 6 and, 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 and Joshua chapter 9, they, they have a lot in common. I want you to see this. Put on the whole armor of God. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 11. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Do you see that? I was going to try to trick you. And by the way, let me tell you, you're on, a, on a Sunday night, you're going to say, uh, I, you know, should I go to church on Sunday night? And the devil's going to say, it's not a big deal. It's not, it's not. You were there on Sunday morning, why would you go back on Sunday night? It's not a big deal. That's what he's going to tell you. I'm telling you, there's somebody, there's some young person, there's some individual in our church that should have been here tonight to hear the fact that the devil's going to try to trick you. Because the devil's going to try to trick you this week. And you need this type of preaching to tell you that. You need this type of Bible to warn you that. You need the counsel of God to explain to you that, hey, wait a minute, things may not be seen. Here's what it is You and I see things on a temporal basis, and we see the now, we see the moldy bread, and we see the red clothes, and we see the red wine body, and we don't see like God sees things. We need the counsel of God. Are you there? Look at verse, verse 11. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Why? For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Look, we're not fighting physical people. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. What do we wrestle? But against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the doctrines of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, He says, for that reason, what reason? The fact that you're wrestling principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places. He says, wherefore, he says, for that reason, take unto you the whole armor of God. And we've got that famous passage of the armor of God that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Look at verse 14. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness. I don't have the time to preach through the armor of God. I wish I could. I love this passage, and maybe I will when, you know, I'll do it some of these Sundays soon. But look at verse 14. And your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the which is the word of God. Look at verse 18. Don't miss this. The armor of God, right? Don't miss 18. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Part of fighting against the wiles of the enemy is having communication with God. Is asking at the counsel of God. He said, hey, don't forget the prayer. He said, put on the armor. He said, take the helmet, take the shield. Take the, the shoes and, and do what you got to do. Take the sword. But he said, don't forget the praying always with all prayers. Let me ask you something, and this is a rhetorical question, but let me just ask you, how's your prayer life tonight? No one here should say, my prayer life is perfect, I have nothing to work on. All of us don't pray as much as we should. Nobody prays as much as they should. And it's a shame, really, go to to Romans 15 real quickly. Romans chapter 15. It's a shame because out of all the weapons we have in our spiritual arsenal, probably the most powerful weapon you and I have is prayer. Do you understand that you have the ability to walk into the throne room of God anytime you please? And speak to the God of the universe. See, I can't walk... Into, I can walk into the throne room of God driving down the street. I can walk into the throne room of God early in the morning, down on my knees, praying. I can... Anywhere I go, I've got the Holy Spirit with me. I can talk to God wherever I go. I wonder how much advantage we take of that. Are you there in Proverbs 16? Of Proverbs 15, excuse me? Look at verse 30. Now I beseech you, brethren, for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake and for the love of the Spirit, that ye strive together. You know what that word strive means? It means to effort. It means to labor. He says, you should strive together. You should labor together with me. Notice. In your prayers to God. For me. Isn't that interesting? Paul was a great missionary. Paul had the A privilege to serve God in a way that probably nobody in this room will ever have. And that's a sad statement. We could, just because of our laziness and lack of character. God is no respecter of persons. God can use me like He uses Paul. But Paul Paul had the ability to take the gospel to the entire world. I mean, Paul went out of Jerusalem and went out of Antioch there, and he took the gospel, and literally, the reason that you and I are saved tonight is because of the ministry of the Apostle Paul. And Paul was telling these people, he said, look, I get to go to Corinth, and I get to go to Ephesus, and I get to go to all these countries, and I'll go to Rome, and I'll preach the gospel, and I'll do all these things. And here's what he's saying. He's saying, you may not get to do all the things that I can do, but you can strive, and you can labor, and you can effort with me in prayer. Say, say, right, pastor, I can't go and preach like, like a, a, a pastor gets to and I can't go and preach. But you can pray like anybody else can you can talk to God like anybody else can. He's a tribe together with me in your prayers to God. Go to 1 Corinthians, real quickly, and don't use that as an excuse. Not to work. I'm just saying we don't make enough of prayer as we should. First Corinthians chapter number one. Look at verse eleven. First Corinthians chapter 1, 11 We gotta hurry up. First Corinthians chapter number one verse eleven. Look what the Bible says. First Corinthians one eleven. For it hath been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. That's not what I wanted. Good night. First 1 Corinthians 1, 11, Is that where I'm at? Uh, maybe a second Corinthians. That's not what I wanted. Second Corinthians chapter number one verse eleven. If that's not it Yeah, that's what we wanted. Second Corinthians one eleven. He also lotus says helping together by prayer for us. Do you see that? That for the gift bestowed upon us by the means of many persons, thanks may be given by many on our behalf. He said, helping together by prayers for us. Go to Philippians, real quickly. Galatians, you're there in 1st and 2nd Corinthians. Galatians, then you've got Ephesians, and then you've got Philippians. Philippians chapter number 4, look at verse 6. Philippians chapter number 4, look at verse 6. Quickly, Philippians 4.6, the Bible says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplications, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. You have that privilege. You have the opportunity to have your requests be made known unto God. Go to uh, 1 Thessalonians, you're there in Philippians. You go towards the right, you got Colossians. After Colossians, you got 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians, chapter number 5. Look at verse 17. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5. Look at verse 17. I love these short verses. They just, they, there's not a lot to them. They just get right down to the point. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 15. Look what it says. Pray without ceasing. You know what that word ceasing means? It means stopping. He says pray without stopping. So when am I done praying? Never. You ought to be constantly communicating with God you got to be constantly... Thrown. You say, well, I can't be on my knees all day, Pastor Frank. I understand that. And I think there ought to be a time of prayer when you get alone with God by yourself, on your knees, praying to God. I think we all ought to have that time. But you know what? As you're going through life, as you're going through work, as you're walking down the street, as you're driving down the road, as you're just going through your journey, like we are talking about this morning, as you're just walking through life, make sure you're walking... Remember, we talked about it this morning. Jesus Christ is with you whether you acknowledge it or not. But it would be a better journey if you communicated with Him. Remember the, the, the two disciples on the road of Emmaus. When did they start having fun on that journey? When they started talking to Jesus. And He started talking to them and communing with them and fellowshipping with them. You're there in 1 Thessalonians 5. Skip down to verse 25. I love this verse. This is a great verse. 1 Thessalonians 5.25. This ought to be your, your life verse. Brethren, pray for us. That's a great request. I love that. Bre- here's what we're it. Brethren, pray for us. You can't come on this journey? Pray for us. You can't do everything that, that, that everybody else usually do. Well, I can't do, Pastor. I can't give like other people give, and I can't throw away like other people whole I can't do... Look, don't focus on what you can do. Why don't you focus on the fact that we can all pray? Why don't you focus on the fact that we all have access to God? Why don't you focus on the fact that if we prayed and sought God's will more, we would make less mistakes because God would show us when the enemy is working wildly. He said, brethren, pray for us. Go to James real quickly. You're there in 2 Thessalonians. You've got First and 2 Timothy, Titus. Then you've got... Uh, Philemon, Hebrews, and then you got the book of James. Right after the book of Hebrews, it's kind of a longer book there. Towards the end of the Bible, you got James chapter number uh, 5. Oh, look at James chapter 1, real quickly. James chapter 1. Look at verse 5. James chapter number 1, verse 5. The Bible says, James 1, 5. If any of you lack wisdom, do you think that when the devil's trying to trick you, you may need a little wisdom? Yeah. you think when the devil's showing up to you, Eve, in the form of a serpent, and you're saying... Remember what he said to Eve? He said, You can eat that tree?" Well, God said we can't eat that tree. Did he really say that? Half God said, That's what he said. Questioning God's word. Half God said that you may not eat that treat. You know what he was doing? He was telling Eve, It's not a big deal. It's not, Eve. It's not. Go ahead. And when she took up the fruit, He went away boasting. Why? Because the devil works to deceive. The devil? And then after he deceived her, What did he do? He accused her. Look what you did! That's how he works. That's how he works. That's why some of you need to just figure out this verse about forgetting those sins we're behind. You, you say I messed up, but I ask God to forgive you, repent of your sins, but then forget about it. Move on for God, because the devil's just going to sit there and he's going to press that button every time. Remember what you did. Remember what you. And by the way, we need to be like that with ourselves and with those around us as well. Don't keep bringing up to your kids everything they ever did. What you're, you know, on their wedding day, when you were three years old, you broke my, you know, it's like, let it go. (laughs) God let it go. Notice what it says, James chapter 1, verse 5. If any of you like wisdom, let him ask God that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not. Notice, and it shall be given him. Isn't it interesting that God says, God promises, he says, if you ask me for wisdom, I'll give it to you. Hey, Solomon's a great example of that. Remember what Solomon asked? God said to Solomon? What do you want? He said wisdom. God said, "Go ahead, okay. I'll give it to you." Wisest man who ever walked on this earth, other than Jesus Christ. God says, "You want wisdom? I'll give it to you." Are you there? In James, go to James chapter five, look at verse sixteen. James chapter five, look at verse sixteen. James five sixteen. We're almost done. We really are. James five sixteen. I'm not tricking you. James five sixteen. Look at what it says. James five sixteen. Confess your faults one to another. And pray, do you see that? Pray one for another, that ye may be healed. Now notice this, don't miss this. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Now notice, verse 17, Elias, okay, that's the New Testament name for Elijah. Remember Elijah? Elijah was a great prophet. Remember, uh, I don't know how long ago it was, maybe eight months ago, I preached a sermon on Elijah. Remember how he prayed and fire came down from heaven? Wouldn't Wouldn't that be great if you could pray and God would send down fire at your request? He could do it. Notice, 17. And Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are. Do you see that? You say, what is he saying? Here's what he's saying. Elijah, or Elias, was a man just like you and I. He was subject to the same passions that you and I are subject to. And he prayed earnestly that it might not rain. And it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth and one of you uh, convert him, let him, know, let him know that he which converted the sinner from the error of his ways shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. Here's the point that I'm trying to make. Elijah prayed and, and, and it didn't rain for three and a half years. He says, God, let it rain now. And God says, okay. Why? Just because he asked. But here's the point. He was a man of like passions like you and I. See, God is no respecter of persons. If God will listen to the prayers of Elias... If God will listen to the prayers of Elijah, if God will listen to the prayers of Joshua, He'll listen to your prayers as well. Say, so, well, what's the problem? We don't pray. That's the issue. If we would just pray more, go back to, to Joshua. We're almost done. Joshua chapter 9. The problem that Joshua had was not that God was not available. It's that he didn't ask for counsel. Look at verse 14. And the men took up their victuals, they took their word, and asked not the counsel at the mouth of the Lord. They didn't ask God. And Joshua, look verse 15. And Joshua made peace with them, big mistake. And made a league with them to let them live. And the princes of the congregation swear unto them. And it came to pass at the end of three days. After they had made a league with them, okay, so they signed a treaty. They made a deal. They said, okay, you know, we can see your bread here, it's old. We can see your clothes, they're rent. We can see the, the, the wine bottles, they're torn up. We can see this, okay, we'll make a treaty with you. They signed the contract and they said, we are not going to destroy you people at Gibeah. Three days later, in verse six, six, 16, and it came to pass at the end of three days, after they had made a league with them, that they heard. That they were their neighbors and that they dwelt among them. You see that. So they're like they heard these people don't live very far from here. Verse seventeen, and the children of Israel journeyed and came unto their cities on the third day. Now their cities were Gibeon and uh, Shephira and Beeroth and Jerem. and the children of Israel smote them not. The word smote means to uh, hurt or to hit to Battle them? It says, so The children of Israel smote them not, because the princes of the congregation had sworn unto them by the Lord God of Israel, and all the congregation murmured against the princess. So then, they didn't, they didn't I, I, I want you to get this. They didn't attack them because the elders had made a league with them. Are you following what I'm saying? Verse 19. But all the princes said unto all the congregation, We have sworn unto them by the Lord God of Israel, now therefore we may not touch them. This is what we do to them. We will even let them live, lest wrath be upon us, because of the oath which we swear unto them. See, they found themselves in their situation where they said, well now we can't hurt them because we made a league with them. And when we make a promise, God expects us to keep it. So he said, well we can't destroy them now, so what are we going to do? Look at verse 20 again. This we will do to them. We will even let them live, lest wrath be upon us, because of the oath which we swear unto them, and the princes said unto them, Let them live, but let them be hewers of wood and drawers of water unto all the congregation as the princes had promised them. So here's what they said. They said, We're going to let them live, but we're going to make them our servants. they said, We're going to let them live, but they're going to be hearers of, of wood and drawers of water. They're going to have to serve us. Verse 22, And Joshua called for them, and he spake unto them, saying, Wherefore have ye beguiled us? Saying, We are very far from you when ye dwell among us. Now therefore ye are cursed, and there shall none of you be freed from being bondmen... Okay, talking about being servants... And hewers of wood and drawers of water for the house of my God. So what can we learn from that? Well, here's what you need to understand: It was never God's will for the Gibeonites to serve Israel. In fact, as you continue reading in your Old Testament... When you get to the story of David in the Bible... You'll find out that in David's reign... Because of this deal with the Gibeonites... The Gibeonites... They, gave, they had a lot of issues with the children of Israel. And it, was, and it all came back to this one thing... Where somebody did not seek God's counsel... And did not make the right decision... Because they didn't ask God about it. You say, okay, so it wasn't God's will... For the Gibeonites to serve the children of Israel. What was God's will? Here was God's will... For the children of Israel to conquer Gibeon. To run out those people... And that land... Was supposed to be an inheritance. For the children of Israel. God had planned. That somebody in Israel. Was going to live in Gibeon. Somebody in Israel was going to own that land. Somebody in Israel was going to build a house there. Somebody in Israel was going to raise a family there. Somebody in Israel. That was going to be their inheritance. It was going to be a land that was going to be passed on. From generation to generation to generation. And now there's somebody in Israel. That will miss out on that blessing. You understand what I'm saying? You say, well, pastor, is it really a big deal? It'd be a big deal if it was your land. <laughs> what if it was scheduled? You were going to get Gibeon. And then it's like, oh, big mistake. Now we can't kill the Gibeonites. Well, they're going to be our servants. Yeah, but what about my land? <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Here's the point. I wonder how much we miss out on in our lives. Because we simply don't ask God. God has a plan for you. God has blessings for you. God has things He wants to give you. And here's what He says. If you would just ask me, I would take care of it. The Bible says this, Ye have not, because ye ask not. If you would just talk to God, if you would just read your Bible, if you would just listen to God, and and before you make, here's what I'm trying to say, before you make a big decision in life, before you make any decision in life, just ask God, God, what do I do about this? God, I'm not sure what to do in this situation, but will you give me wisdom, will you give me discernment, Will you allow me to see really what's going on here? Because I don't want to get beguiled. I don't want to get tricked. I want to send wily Coyote packing. Do you understand? I promise you, it'll help your life. It'll help your life. Somebody missed out on a blessing in Israel. Because one person didn't say, Time out, let's just ask God real quick. Just take five minutes. Let's go over here and let's ask God. And God would have said, don't do it. And they would have said, okay. That's all they have to do. Say, what can we learn from this lesson? The devil's going to trick you. But he won't trick you if you just seek God's will. Through prayer, through Bible reading. Seek God's will and have God figure out. We can go back to our illustration. We're talking about the teenage girls. Now, if one of these teenage girls actually punches a guy. Okay? Don't, I mean, it better better be, you know, not just because you don't like him and then blame it on the pastor. (laughs) You say you're out on a date. And I hope you're not out on a date. Do you know what the purpose of dating is? To get married. I don't think, you're, when you're 13, you're not ready to get married. Why are you going out on dates? <laughs> you're out somewhere with some boy, and the boy says, hey, you want to you wanna go over here? And Here's what you say to her. Well, let me pray about it. <laughs> let me ask God's counsel. Let me call my mom and see what she thinks. My mom, mama, she pray, God. Let me ask my mom what she thinks. It'll help you out. Well, let, let me ask. Let me let me read the Bible about it. Let me go to the Bible, see what the Bible says, and then I'll, I'll let you know if we can if you can come over while my parents aren't home. Are you with me? It'll help you out. It'll help you out. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. Thank you for our church, Lord. Thank you for our Bible study night. Anytime we can open up God's word and study God's word, Father, it's profitable. Lord, thank you for this story, as we can learn from it. The devil he want, he he he's going to make us think that we have nothing of value. It's, it is not. It is not. He's going to trick us. He's going to deceive us. Father, I pray you'd bless the fellowship to come. In your precious name I pray. Amen.